0: No other book has so profoundly impacted so many lives as the Bible.
1: Welcome to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. Today we see where King Sennacherib of Assyria threatens the Jews in Jerusalem that if they don't surrender, they will be destroyed. The Jewish officials tear their clothes in sorrow. We hope you join us as Pastor Daryl continues in Isaiah chapter 36 on Simply the Bible.
0: There are times when God shows up in an extraordinary way. These demonstrations of God's grace and power are not commonplace. Therefore, they deserve to be remembered and celebrated whenever they happen. Today, we come across such an extraordinary demonstration of God. The story is found here in Isaiah 36 and in Second Kings and Second Chronicles. But like so many mighty demonstrations of the Lord, it came during the time of crisis. God often shows up in the 11th hour when we are most desperate. We continue in Isaiah chapter 36. Now it came to pass in the 14th year of King Hezekiah, that Sennacherib, king of Assyria, came up against all the fortified cities of Judah and took them. The year was 701 BC. The king of Assyria had demanded tribute from King Hezekiah of Judah, so Hezekiah gave him the silver in the temple and in his personal treasury. Then he stripped the gold from the doors and pillars of the temple. But rather than this appeasing the king of Assyria... Sennacherib sent a delegation to demand complete surrender. According to his own account, he leveled 46 walled cities of Judah during this military campaign. Then the king of Assyria sent the Rabshakeh with a great army from Lachish to King Hezekiah at Jerusalem. And he stood by the aqueduct from the upper pool on the highway to the fuller's field. And Eliakim, the son of Hilkiah, who was over the household, Shebna, the scribe, and Joah, the son of Asaph, the recorder, came out to him. Now, Rabshakeh was not a proper name, but a title. He was likely Sennacherib's field commander. Hezekiah sent three of his officials to meet him outside the walls of Jerusalem. Then Rabshakeh said to them, Say now to Hezekiah, Thus says the great king, the king of Assyria, What confidence is this in which you trust? I say, you speak of having plans and power for war, but they are mere words. Now in whom do you trust that you rebel against me? Look, you are trusting in the staff of this broken reed, Egypt, on which if a man leans, it will go into his hand and pierce it. So is Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to all who trust in him. Now, this field commander was skilled in psychological warfare. He sought to intimidate King Hezekiah and the Jews in Jerusalem into surrendering to the king of Assyria. His tactics are typical of Satan's devices against God's people. The field commander first sought to undermine the trust of the people In their military might, in Egypt, in Hezekiah, and finally in the Lord himself. In fact, seven times he uses the word trust in this chapter. Now, in our spiritual warfare, Satan's first device is always to undermine our trust in God. This is what he said to Eve in the Garden of Eden. Has God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Now, in Ephesians 6, the Apostle Paul tells us to take up this shield of faith with which we will be able to quench all the flaming arrows of Satan. If our faith in the Lord is that effective against his power, then don't you think the devil will do everything he can to cause us to doubt the Lord? The second tactic of the field commander was to point out their weakness. Who did they think they were anyway? How could they hope to stand against the mighty, invincible king of Assyria? Once again, in getting our eyes off of the power of Christ and onto our own weaknesses, the devil discourages the believer. The third tactic used by the Assyrians was to discredit Egypt. Now, the Jews had sent envoys into Egypt loaded down with treasure to seek Egypt's help to stand against the Assyrians. But Isaiah had warned the people against doing this. Now the field commander points out how their reliance upon Egypt would be faulty. If they leaned on Egypt for help, then it would splinter like a reed and pierce them. Now, this actually was the one thing the field commander said that was true. Likewise, the devil has found that he can do more damage by mixing in some truth with lies than by presenting all lies. It seems to give him some credibility to his argument. Verse 7, But if you say to me, We trust in the Lord our God, is it not he whose high places and whose altars Hezekiah has taken away and said to Judah and Jerusalem, You shall worship before this altar? Now here the field commander showed his lack of knowledge about the way Yahweh was to be worshipped. He was right about Hezekiah taking away the altars in the high places. As part of Hezekiah's spiritual reforms, he had removed these high places because they were used for pagan worship. And God told them that the only place that they were to present their sacrifices was in the temple in Jerusalem. So the field commander accused Hezekiah of offending Yahweh by removing the altars when in fact those actions pleased the Lord. Again, we see here another tactic of Satan in this. He will lie to us, accusing us of offending God to drive us away from him. But the truth is that if we are trusting in Jesus Christ, then we are accepted in him. And God is pleased because we have received the testimony about his son. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Verse 8. Now, therefore, I urge you, give a pledge to my master, the king of Assyria, and I will give you two thousand horses if you are able on your part to put riders on them. How then will you repel one captain of the least of my master's servants and put your trust in Egypt for chariots and horsemen? Have I now come up without the Lord against this land to destroy it? The Lord said to me, go up against this land and destroy it now you cannot help but see just the arrogance coming through this field commander through deceit and intimidation tactics he tried to get the jews to surrender and pledge themselves to serve the assyrian king he said that if they would do this then he would supply them with two thousand horses but then In a derogatory way, he says, but could you even put horsemen on them? It was clearly an insult. It was yet another tactic of the psychological warfare to show them that resistance was futile. His final and most outrageous tactic was to say that Yahweh himself had sent him to destroy the city. Now, while it was true that God had raised up the Assyrians as his instrument of judgment against the the northern kingdom of Israel some 21 years earlier, it was blasphemous for the field commander to claim that the Lord ordered him to destroy Jerusalem when the Lord had already spoken through Isaiah saying that he would deliver Jerusalem. Another device of Satan is to boldly contradict the word of God, such as when the serpent said to Eve, you shall not surely die. Verse 11, Then Eliakim, Shebna, and Joah said to the Rabshakeh, Please speak to your servants in Aramaic, for we understand it and do not speak to us in Hebrew in the hearing of the people who are on the wall. But the Rabshakeh said, Has my master sent me to your master and to you to speak these words and not to the men who sit on the wall who will eat and drink their own waste with you? Hezekiah's officials didn't want the citizens on the wall to understand what he was saying. He didn't want them to get into a panic. So they pled with the field commander that he would speak to them in Aramaic rather than in Hebrew. But he said, look, I'm here to speak to everybody, even your men on the wall who will eat their own waste. You see, he was giving them a picture of the horrifying effects of a siege if they should Resist the Assyrians. Verse 13, Then the Rabshakeh stood and called out with a loud voice in Hebrew and said, Hear the words of the great king, the king of Assyria. Thus says the king, Do not let Hezekiah deceive you, for he will not be able to deliver you nor let Hezekiah make you trust in the Lord, saying, The Lord will surely deliver us. This city will not be given into the hand of the king of Assyria. Do not listen to Hezekiah, for thus says the king of Assyria, Make peace with me by a present, and come out to me. And every one of you eat from his own vine, and every one from his own fig tree, and every one of you drink the waters of his own cistern, until I come and take you away to a land like your own land a land of grain and new wine, a land of bread and vineyards. Beware, lest Hezekiah persuade you, saying, The Lord will deliver us. Has any one of the gods of the nations delivered its land from the hand of the king of Assyria? Where are the gods of Hamath and Arpad? Where are the gods of Sepharvaim? Indeed, have they delivered Samaria from my hand? Who among all the gods of these lands have delivered their countries from my hand that the Lord should deliver Jerusalem? from my hand and so he said don't let Hezekiah deceive you don't believe him when he's telling you that you're going to be okay instead make peace with me bring a, a tribute to my king and then you will enjoy your own vine and your own cistern until I take you away see the Assyrians after they conquered a people would then remove them from their homeland and, and scatter them among a foreign culture and and sort of keep any uprising down to a minimum. And so he said, but then I will come and take you to a land like your own where you will have grain and new wine and bread and so forth. He's just laying on all of the blessings that the Assyrians would give to them if they would surrender. Yeah, right. But where he went too far here was where he said, don't think that the Lord will deliver you. He blasphemed the Lord by saying that the Lord was unable to defeat Sennacherib. And that was a direct challenge against Yahweh, which we will see in the next chapter that the Lord heard and he answers. He said what God has delivered their countries from the king of Assyria. And it was true that the other gods of these other nations had not succeeded in delivering their people from the king of Assyria, but they were merely dead idols and not the true and living God of heaven. Verse 21, but they held their peace and answered him not a word for the king's commandment was do not answer him. Then Eliakim, the son of Hilkiah, who was over the household, Shebna, the scribe and Joah, the son of Asaph, the recorder, came to Hezekiah with their clothes torn and told him the words of Rabshakeh. And so they held their peace because Hezekiah told them not to answer a word and they were obedient to their king. But they tore their clothes, a sign of great mourning of what are we going to do? We are in a desperate situation. And so we're going to leave it there today. This is just a wonderful story to see how the Lord did allow the Assyrians to come right up to the city walls and give these terrible threats. But as I said, the field commander went too far when he blasphemed the Lord and basically said the Lord was unable to take on the king of Assyria. Mm. He blew it there for sure, and we'll see that tomorrow.
1: You've been listening to Simply the Bible, the Through the Bible teaching program of Pastor Daryl Zachman of Calvary Chapel, Treasure Valley. For more information about our church, please visit our website at calvarytv.org. That's calvarytv.org. If you have any questions or comments, please contact us through our website. To listen to previous episodes, go to 941thevoice.com or check out our podcast on iTunes or Spotify. Tomorrow we will see where Hezekiah seeks Isaiah's help against the Assyrians. Isaiah encourages Hezekiah and assures him that Sennacherib will fall. We hope you'll join us as we continue in the book of Isaiah on Simply the Bible.